I think like I've seen you three times, <laughs> but it feels like every time he comes, he's like, like that uncle who you see at holidays, but then you really feel like he knows you and loves you because every time you speak like a really true word that has like actually really impacted my heart. <laughs> so we're welcoming up Vince McCary. He's been a faithful friend to Ryan and this house for many years. I'm your weird uncle. Hello. It's the first time I just I told Ryan, we're definitely getting older now if we're being referred to as like the uncle that shows up at, at the holiday. I'll take it. Last time I was the wholesome message bringer, so this time I'll be the cool uncle, I guess. Uh, yeah, I added cool. <laughs> you, you did not. Well, I always love coming, even when it's a San Francisco 49er division playoff football game. Uh, it's really cool to be here uh, every time no matter what's going on outside of this building. I promise, I'm really excited to be here. Um, now, I, I, we love you guys so much. This is, this is like our, our home away from home in terms of church family. And so it's always super fun to come. And we always feel like when we come, it's for a reason, not just to kind of give you a talk and send you on your way so you come back next week. We're hoping that there's an impact to the group overall and that we contribute something that really affects you guys, uh, you know, longer term, you know, and sometimes uh, our effect on places has more to do with us showing up than it does with the words we say, and so I, we take that really seriously. So, like, when we, we live our life, we're living so that God's presence can go with us places uh, because we know we're not that good at talking to change people's lives. You know, the words that come out of our mouths aren't really the thing that revolutionize people's lives. And we're not that great at thinking so we can like discern in our minds what other people need. So we're really dependent, particularly in places like this where we have really smart people that kind of understand how things work. We're really dependent upon his presence doing something because our minds and mouths are just limited, you know? And so when we come here, we're excited because we know that he's going to do something because we're frankly not capable of doing anything on our own that's really meaningful. And so that's how we think about it. And so we're always excited to be with you guys because he always does seem to do something. And we're hoping he does something today. Like, give me a message to speak to you. That'll be great. All right. So before we start, I wanted to share a couple of things. Um, so Robert and his wife had their baby. Is it Robert? Yeah. What's her name? Bailey. Bailey. That's so, yeah. So last time we were here, they told us secretly that they were pregnant. And we're so excited for them. I... I just want to honor them because since they told us they were pregnant and we had had a longer conversation with them, I was just, I've been thinking about them for months and I, I feel like they're such beautiful, important people. And I want you guys as a family just to continue to lift them up in prayer for really good things because when you have a baby, it changes your life. And I feel like that couple has gonna, is going to make a really meaningful contribution to this place for a really long time. And so I'm just thankful for them, and I'm excited that they're growing. Because the more of them there are, the bigger their effect will be. And so it's really, really cool. So we honor them, me and Soph honor them, and we want you guys to do the same thing. Um, there's some really good stuff going on here, and I want to talk a little bit about that. And uh, just acknowledge there was no drummer today. There's no drums here. So I see that you guys have banned the drums. You are becoming very religious and, and, and reserved in your old, mature age. I thought that was cool. So we got the acoustic, kind of acoustic set, so I appreciated that. Ryan and Suki are here, which is really cool, because 
they're never here when I speak, so this is an honor. Pro I, I don't know what's special about today, but I'm really happy that they're here. Um, God is so in love with you guys. I say that, I think, probably every time I come. Um, one of the themes that I always come back to anytime I come is, is the thought that God is so pleased with me and my, my, the evolution of my understanding of that concept. Like, it didn't start out that way for me. I, didn't, I wasn't just born with a tremendous amount of self-confidence and worth to where I knew that God was like, you're the man. And I was like, I know. <laughs> Thank you for making me perfectly, right? It didn't start that way for me. And I, I feel like that over the years, he's kind of beat that into me that I've made you really well. That's what he says to me a lot. Like, I've made you really well. And what that does is it shores up insecurities for me. It tells me that, like, he knew what he was doing when he put me together and when he gave me assignments and when he placed me geographically and he gave me the family I have. He's like, I made you really well for the season and the life that I've designed for you to be a part of. And I just, I always come back to that when I'm with you guys because I feel like it's something that I want you guys to remind yourselves of every time I'm here. I want you to remind yourselves of the idea that, that you're made really well, that you're a very, very prepared person for the life you have. God didn't forget parts and pieces for you when he puts you into this world. And sometimes there's a lot of factors that gets in our way and makes us think differently about ourselves. Um, but we shouldn't focus on those factors as much as we focus on the truth that God has made me well and equipped me for the, the life I have. And he's even equipped me for today, the stuff that's going on right now. Sometimes we get caught up and we say, well, yeah, that, I agree with that. And you have an idea of like who you'll become and what's in front of you. And then when it the day's over and you're kind of alone, you realize you're just struggling with the moment and you forget that you're really well equipped even for that moment. And so I just want to encourage you guys, you're really, really solid in terms of who he's made you. It's just sometimes we get better at, at managing our own thought life and we get man better at managing our own expectations and we get more mature in the way we live. And all of that combines to us realizing, wow, I, I'm made pretty well. And I actually can do all the stuff he had in mind for me to do. So I want you to have that again for probably the, if I've been here three times, you take all three. I, I'll say it every time I come back until I feel like you guys just have it um, totally locked in. This week they gave me a topic. I think for the first time I've ever been here, I have a topic. So I'm totally struggling with that. Um, <laughs> I'm totally not good at, at that. So it's good, and I'll tell you the topic so we can talk about it. Importance of the church to God. And so I thought long and hard about that. I'm like, well, he died for it. Sermon's over. <laughs> Obviously he cared. That wasn't so hard. Thanks for that topic. Um, and the second question is how we are called to love and care for it. I didn't spend that much time thinking about that part, so I just want to focus on the first part. <laughs> No, it's, they're awesome questions, and we'll, we'll definitely talk about it. I just want to wait a minute, get my bearings here, <laughs> get a feel for what you guys are up to. Um, I hope you guys are being really brave with your Christian life. I feel like we've been coming a long time, and I feel like you guys are always kind of excited about God, and you have really good expressive worship, and you have awesome, awesome uh, community feel. I hope you're being really courageous 
in your own life for God. It's just a sincere hope that I have for you because I want the, the same for myself. And I want, I, want you to, I want you to feel like the measure of courage in your own life is something you should kind of challenge, not in the sense that there's a failure quotient, just that if you're not challenging it, you're probably just avoiding it, is my thought. I don't know if that's biblical. It's just my thought. It's the idea that if you have dreams in God and he's shown you things that are great and way beyond your capacity, and you know that it will require 95% of him and 5% of you to make those things happen, the 5% of you, the opportunities you have in your day-to-day life to be courageous and brave are usually the things that really equip you to take those leaps when those really big moments show up later. And so I want to just challenge you guys, be really courageous, be really brave. And I'm not just talking about street evangelism. I'm talking about yieldedness in your lives as well. I feel like that, that category is one of the bigger categories when it comes to actually fulfilling God's call for your life. So if you yield and you really slow down and you say, God, what are the things you're pressing me towards internally, either thought life or job choices, relational choices, church choices, all the choices we have, how's my yieldness? How courageous am I being to really yield to you? Because I feel like for each of us, there's tremendous upside. There's all this upside. There's no limits, really. God's dreams are always way bigger for us than ours. And so sometimes it just has to do with our courage. So be courageous, would you? Now, let's talk about the importance of the church to God. I, in thinking about this, I did think more about that he died for it. We'll get to that. I, I kind of thought about like what the church is, first of all, because it was definitely his idea it changed forms quite a bit over the years. It, it didn't start as a church in the way that we, we deal with it. It started like a family. You know, if you think about God setting this whole thing up, we got Adam and Eve, if you go really far back. And we have a family, and, and they did their thing to, to honor God in the way that he had designed them to do, and they didn't quite do it perfectly, and so they had to rearrange their, their program a bit, and Fast forward and Noah shows up and, and he was doing his thing well, but the rest of us just weren't, weren't doing our part. And so the church or the family of God at that point was in a weird spot. It, it morphs then, it resets. And, and then uh, you fast forward and, and, and some of Noah's kids were doing well. Most of them weren't. And really there was one that one family within Noah's families that stands out, and it's Abraham's parents, and it's Abraham, and, and he seems to get it right, and God kind of starts over again with him. And so we're talking about the church and like what, what it means to God, why it's important, but if you separate the long story from our local story, you don't, you're not really being honest with the whole thing. The story of the church and what it was and why it would be important to God has a lot to do with this history of really false starts, broken, uh, not promises, but really broken attempts at trying to do the thing right. And and you get all these fractures and all this this drama. It goes from Abraham and he has his family and there's a covenant and then it becomes something different because Abraham's family somehow, if you read the book, turns into this slavery story where they all get sucked into Egypt. It's this crazy drama of sorts, and you've got this big, long history. 
And so then there's Moses, and Moses is awesome. And you have these interventions and this, all of this dialogue between God and God's people or God's church. And it's, it's different, completely different in each era. So they come out of the Exodus, and they, they reestablish themselves. And then you have the era of kings, and then you have the era... Before that, it's judges, then kings. And, and each one, it's, it's hundreds, if not thousands of years, but they're all these different, radically different forms. And each and every form has a tremendous amount of God interaction. I mean a lot, to the point where he, he jumps into individuals' lives and makes such a dramatic impact on one or two, and we get their stories, but those impacts really are designed to, to turn the direction and tide of the whole church, the whole group, the whole family. Again, because God's always trying to get us further towards his, his intention from the beginning. And it's, just, it's a crazy story. It's a crazy story. Does he care? Oh, my goodness. He, he tried to stop and restart multiple times because he cared so much. And then you have people that are saying, like, God, don't wipe them all out. Like, start over, like, give them another chance. And sometimes he, he changes his mind, sometimes he doesn't. And at some point, it gets so bad that he says, I'm, I'm going to, I am going to give them one more chance and I'm going to send my son. It's going to be really epically dramatic and awesome. And his effect will be such that this family concept, this church, could expand into all Shapes and sizes again. So if you read Adam and Eve, you see what's like every human intention was for there to be a glorious kingdom. In concept, when Jesus shows up, he opens the door not just for the Jews to be reconciled, Abraham's family, but for all of us. All of us Asian, white, brown, black, all of us. Jew, Gentile, all of us. In theory now, God has opened the door for everyone to be a part of this thing again. So he's made a, a really dramatic attempt for all of us to get back in to the fold. Does he care? He cares a whole bunch. He cares a lot. And I, I wonder when I think about church history, they, they ask, we always ask, do we have a scripture to talk about? And I just, I was, I've just been thinking about the whole thing. So I'm just read the whole Bible this week <laughs> and you'll catch up. <laughs> you'll be fine. It'll be a quick read this time, I promise. How many of you read the Bible through ever? Yes. Oh, good. It's really long, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it takes a long time to get through the thing. How many of you have read like Deuteronomy multiple times every time? Yes. Of course Suki has. That's why Ryan's a pastor, because she is the anchor of the family. So obvious. Um, <laughs> I'll make up for you for that in time. Um, So my question for you is this. God cares a tremendous amount about this whole program, right? He's done so many things to make it possible for us to have amazing lives. Where do your passions and intentions align with God's passions and intentions for you? I think that one of the main thoughts that I had about our talk today was that God looks at us, and he looks at us in the context of where we are. And I, I always, whenever I come here, I always think about where you, this church physically is. It's physically in Berkeley, California. 
It's in Northern California in the Bay Area. There's tremendous pressures and, and challenges that come with the region that we're in. This is a spiritual place. All places are. It's a spiritual conversation. The whole story of the Christian church is a spiritual conversation. It's not just about Abraham was making like the right choices. He had a heart is what it really comes back to over and over. He had a heart that was willing to declare faith towards God in all of the significant aspects of his life. He was willing to kind of surrender his family and his sons and his, his son's sons. And he was willing to give it all over for God's intention. And so it's a spiritual conversation. So when we, we think about the church, we're not just thinking about like how we get together, succeed in life, and survive. Like that's very natural and normal. That's what like the Kiwanis Club is for or the Elks Club, or the Moose Club, or, or like the Drinking Club, or like your works, like Social Club, or, or any, any group of people that get together for just the camaraderie and the, and the fundamental like human interest in just getting through life with a little bit more happiness and joy. Like any group of people can do that for you. They really can. They, I mean, just kind of, they can, right? Like if you're into like video games. Your gaming friends can do that for you. Like you talk and you laugh and you kind of, yeah, my, like you, have, you share your bad experiences. You share, well, we'll do it better this next time. If you're not into gaming, you're into knitting. I don't know. Like and it doesn't matter. Like it, the fact that you're with other people connecting will kind of help you along. How many of you know friends and family, grandparents, grandfathers, grandmothers, Older folks that have gotten through life without any God, but they seem relatively stable. They survived a lot of challenging things. They were just kind of model citizens, and it went well. There's not a lot of them, but they're out there, right? Sometimes when we talk about the church and our, our, our goals for what we're accomplishing here as a gang, as a group, sometimes it feels like it's just about kind of succeeding in life in the same way that those folks do. You know, if we get together enough, if we're consistent enough and we're sincere enough, we'll share in each other's challenges and we'll celebrate each other's victories. And by the time we're grandparents, we'll all look back and go, wow, look at the awesome life we had together. Look at all my good friends I made on the retreat, which are awesome, and that's good. <laughs> and you should go and you should participate. <laughs> you should do that. It's really important. That's how I met Ryan and these guys. It's like, this is my family, and it's born out of this kind of a thing. However, here's my question to you. If God cares so much historically, thousands of years, to make these radical interventions, just to, to guide his people that he's chosen along a path that's different from the rest of the society they're in, Are you tracking with that kind of a God? Are you, is your heart connected to the idea there's something much, much, much more significant to the spiritual side of life than the natural side of life? They're, they're inseparable, so I'm not saying that one supersedes the other. They can't exist without both. But if you settle in your mind and in your heart for a normal, successful Bay Area, Berkeley, San Francisco Bay Area, Northern California, United States of America, North America life, 
and it goes really well, have you accomplished everything that God had set out for you? Is that where your dreams end? Or is there a spiritual conversation that you are or aren't having that could potentially make an impact on not only you, but your family and that same region in a way that you're not even contemplating because you're stuck in a very normal just existence that doesn't take into account that there's a spiritual conversation to be had when we talk about the church. The church is not just about getting through the challenges of our region and our, our, our daily life. Guys, we have really hard jobs. We have really high financial challenges. We have really uh, difficult physical challenges because we're, we're flesh and blood. We have family issues. We have all this stuff that's very real and very hard. The church is probably the best antidote to those challenges. We come together and we bond together naturally. But there's a spiritual element to every epoch in epoch? 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 Come on, Berkeley nerds, help me. Epoch? Yeah. Well, you're all shy now. I know every single one of you know how to pronounce that word. It's just me. <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not, you know, yeah, you just want to watch me fumble? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> epoch? E epoch. Epoch. All right. Every one of those things. Um, God, God is accomplishing significant spiritual results in those things. He's jumping in not because they're, they're doing something wrong in the natural. It's because their spiritual world is off. It's their spiritual world. It's their spiritual paradigm, their perspective, how they see things, how they're acting out of the place of their heart. That's when God gets really serious and really provoked and or excited. And so... Our, our responsibility towards the church, I would argue today, in the context that we're in, our biggest responsibility is, first of all, reminding each other that there's a spiritual side to life. As, as simple and as simplistic as that may sound, don't get caught just focusing on the natural stuff, on are you going to graduate, are you going to get a job, are you going to marry the right person. Are you going to get through this health scare? Are you going to have enough money to retire? Are you going... It doesn't stop. Don't get distracted and think that's where God's 95% is. That's where his 5% is. His ability to solve those problems is, is um, complete. He, he can solve every one of those problems. There's no lack in any one of those categories at any time for God. He can heal every disease. He can give you every dollar you ever need. He can give you a vacation home if, you've, if he wants to. He can give you a job that's amazing and fulfilling if, he, if that's part of the program. He can, do, he can place, he can change, he can do all the stuff that we get so wrapped up in making sure we have dialed and, and worried. We're worried about that stuff. We're focused on that stuff. We're just like everyone else in our region because that's normal life. But is the 95% of God's intention close to your percentages? Is that 95 to 5? You say, well, he's, he's much more concerned about me, Vince, than... 5%. My life is very important to God's. Yes. Yes, it is. 
I'm not in any way saying God doesn't care if you, like, you get injured. He's not in any way not concerned about your job. He, he's super concerned. He's super connected to you. He's extremely ahead and behind and, and current with all of those things. But what's he focused on? We get a lot of hints when Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and he starts talking to people. And what does he talk about? Does he talk about the fact that the Roman, the Roman, um, whatever, empire, yeah, empire, thank you. The, the Roman empire was, was oppressive and really controlling a lot of what was going on in the region. Um, was he focused on poverty? He acknowledged it. There was a lot of it. It wasn't his primary message. Was he focused on um, education and people's ability to rise up into a superior place in their, their life's, life's destiny because they got the ABCs down and they understood how to read well and they became influential with their academic abilities? I, didn't, I missed that chapter. I don't think he did. I, I, don't, I, don't, rem I don't recall that. But it's a major theme for us. It's, it's, it's stuff we wrestle with, and, and it's so important to us. And Jesus, he did things like address the religious folks and talk about the spirit under which they were motivated and acted. He met the poor, and he, he, he addressed them from a, a place of affirmation and love. He met the religious, and he, and he, he challenged them and really called out the difference inside of them that was negatively affecting the spiritual arena that all of the people were working in. Jesus kind of gives us some hints on where his values were because he could have addressed anything. He had three and a half, three years to address everything, and he chose to address the things he chose to address. And I'm always challenged because I don't think if I were set free of like all my concerns and I had all the power in the world that I'd run from church to church saying, you're excluding people in the way that you're requiring them to approach the Father behind the scenes. That wouldn't be my like first thought. It was a huge thought of his. Of course, he had a mission. Of course, he was accomplishing so much more. I'm not trying to narrow down what he accomplished during his time, but I just some of the things he chose to address are so different than the way we think, but I feel that they're completely relevant today because I feel like there's something like really contemporary about everything in the Bible. It's, it's, it's remarkable, and I think it has a lot to do with when Solomon says, there's nothing new, guys. It's, it's all the same, different day. We're all kind of dealing with the same stuff. Rich, poor, you know, strong, weak. We're, like we're, it doesn't matter how advanced your society is. It's all kind of the same core issues. And so when Jesus shows up and he says, I, I need you to think about these things. I promise you, not one person that was really connected to God's heart was the, in that era was focused on those things because even John the Baptist, he was, he was doing something different, right? 
And Jesus comes and he introduces a completely new way. He introduces the way that's, that's revolutionary. And he's saying, these are the priorities of heaven. The law is coming to a close. And here is what life is supposed to be focused on from this point forward. Love your neighbor as yourself. That kind of wraps it up. Love God first. Love your neighbor. Do those things. But it's just interesting to me, before we get to that part of the, the responsibility to act, it's interesting to me that Jesus covered what he covered. Because I think he was, he was shocking people with aggressive reminders that they just didn't get it. Follow every interaction with the disciples after every sermon that Jesus gives. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. Because he'll, he'll say all the stuff that he says, and then they'll come back and ask questions that are completely not what he was saying. Every time. I'm thinking about the, the part where he goes, I am the bread of life, and they're like, didn't we, did we forget the food? Like, <laughs> like that part, like, they, but there's so many of those. I mean, there's just, they're everywhere. And they're really kind of funny. And a lot of them have Peter's name on them. And they're really funny. And, and it has to do with how literal they were. Literal is interesting. If you're kind of thinking of it from a linguistic and language. Literal is like this, you know, this is green. Well, abstract is like, well, green means something. There's some, some, some symbol, there's something behind it. The disciples functioned completely literally. And I'm sure that they were like all the people at their time. That's how we are. That's these concerns about my job and my, my dollars and my, like the tangible, literal, these hard, really obvious things that hit me in the face every day. I'm cold, I'm hot, like I don't feel good, I don't want to go to work. These are, these are li like literal, tangible. Our minds and our bodies, we want to be there in that space. We're supposed to be. That's where we live. God was trying to say, they need their eyes opened. Jesus was saying, they need their eyes opened, and they need their ears opened. He was saying that all the time. And you go, well, what does that mean? It means that they didn't have their spiritual eyes opened. They didn't have their spiritual ears opened, but they were completely functional in life. They were very normal, just like you and I. And Jesus is pulling them. He's saying, please come over to this side. Start to place your mind and your heart into a position where you can connect with what God has been about from the beginning. And they struggled, just like we struggle. And so when asked a question, what is our responsibility as a church I think that one of my main things that I would say over and over and over again is find relationships with people that you guys can together pull each other across that line of literal to spiritual as often as you can. You say, well, then you'll get really weird. <laughs> no, that's just Ryan. The rest of you will be fine. You'll, get, you'll be fine. You, it, it's not, like we have, so, we, have, we have whole worlds built around the challenge of the spiritual stuff. Like it, within just the Christian conversation, right? Those people are too charismatic. 
Those people see angels and demons. They're, they're something wrong. Like, we're not designed to live that way. Like, those people, those people, there's a lot of, there's, it's really easy to say, like, there's extremes in that category. I just, I feel like the, the fear of being uncomfortable so often puts us in a position where we don't, where we just want to figure out ways to get to things that are tangible, that we can hold on to, that are easy. But the reality is none of our biblical heroes are easy if we're to follow them. Nobody that God points us to and says, be like that guy or that girl, none of them were making decisions based on literal, easy, tangible. And so I, as a church, we have an opportunity. And it's never, kind of, it's never a mandate. That's the beautiful thing about the grace of God. Like we could skip spirituality in a strange way Obviously, we're not. We're, we're born again. We're saved. We're, we're doing the spiritual things. But we could skip it in terms of the, the significant position it's supposed to take in our lives. And we could relegate it to something that's a part but not the thing. And we will be just fine. And the interesting thing is it's because he's so gracious. He covers us every single day. He covers us. He keeps us from so many things. He enables us to function and live. He loves us so much. He never penalizes us because we don't get it. He didn't beat the disciples and say, you're just not going to get it. I have to find other people. You know, like, he, he went to the grave and they didn't get it. They didn't. They all walked away when he died. It's prophesied in Isaiah he read Isaiah. He knew what was coming. He knew he was investing everything in these people. When he dies, they all scatter like sheep. They didn't get it. Even with the best teacher ever made teaching, they, they couldn't get it. He resurrects, and then he comes. He says, okay, now let me reteach you everything. Now that I'm here again, maybe this will open your spiritual eyes. And it says he spent a lot of time teaching them what he had been teaching them from the beginning, right? Because, oh, wait a minute, this, there's something else happening than we expected. We expected a natural kingdom to be overthrown. We expected this whole thing to turn, and we were going to be the, like, the deputies and the sheriffs from this point forward. And he opens their eyes because he physically grabs them and says, look, I'm real. And he ascends in front of them and says, now the Holy Spirit's coming. And we have yet another epoch when the Holy Spirit shows up. And the Holy Spirit now is doing this other thing, a spiritual thing with the ecclesia, the church, from that point to today. And now we're all caught up. Here we are. Look at that. We've gone full circle from creation to contemporary. You got the Bible story. And so the Holy Spirit's here now. And what's the Holy Spirit good for if it's not spiritual things? <laughs> Is he paying your rent? <laughs> no. <laughs> He's really not. Is he, you know, like what, what is the Holy Spirit's role? It's spiritual. It's spiritual. It's to guide us and to comfort us and to bring us into deeper and greater things in life in God. It's spiritual, though. We don't see him very often. I have never seen the Holy Spirit. I'd like to. I don't know what that means. So, <laughs> but I'd like to see him. That would be cool. Um, 
But I don't think he wants to be seen tangibly, physically, because he's not interested in, in maturing my tangible, physical perceptions. I have enough practice on my own. That's all I do all day. I look at spreadsheets on a computer. I answer telephone calls. It's terrible. That's what I do all day. It's very tangible, very real. That is my life. Like, and he's like, okay, you got, you're getting, I've given you tools to do this. You're really well equipped for the life I've placed you into. In fact, I've made you functional in the society you're in. You've adapted well. But here's a, here is an opportunity for you that I've given every human being throughout eternity. Do you want to begin a spiritual conversation and begin to add faith to that conversation to the point where you're able to transcend the natural experience that everyone else around you has? It's an opportunity. It's not a requirement. Getting saved is step one. Like, saved in the sense that, God, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Like, I acknowledge that there's, there's a law of sorts that I broke, and I want to get into new standing with you in here, inside. I, like, you're beginning a spiritual conversation. You're, you're surrendering. The spiritual conversation starts before that, but that's like your first, okay, I'm in. Let's start. And so for many of us, that is enough. We've broken like bonds that were on our families for hundreds of years we have we have absolutely won but for all of us there's another opportunity it's to go further in that faith spiritual conversation than is natural and normal for us to do that's the exciting challenge i have for us when asked what is our responsibility one to another within the church? How do we love the church? We fundamentally remind one another that there's a greater spiritual call on your life, and I'm going to compel you as you compel me towards that thing. I am going to commit to you not just to focus on your advancement in life here. I am going to commit that we together are going to make progress in life tangibly, and spiritually, who knows what that means for us? There's no recipe. And that's the amazing thing about all of this, the whole story. It's that there's no single equation for you that if you commit to a spiritual life, then you'll become a preacher. Like, you did it. <laughs> you have a spiritual life. You're like, not, we don't want that. James is like, don't do it. There's, there's not, it's not all, like, you start talking in front of people, there's a bigger responsibility. Like, don't go that path. Like, that was a, there's a warning in the Bible about doing this thing. Like, that's not the like, end game. This is a small piece. So the spiritual side is like, it's limitless. What, what could God do with me if I was connected to him in the way that he had intended spiritually? And to the degree that, that I as a human am capable of being connected. Who's the ultimate example? Jesus. 100% connected. What does he do? You know the story. Crazy stuff. All the time. Wild stuff. Doesn't care what people think. Wrecks people's lives. Absolutely amazing. Three years, and it's over, and it changes the world forever. Pretty cool. It's, it's infinite. 
it's really, really, really remarkable. We focus in our era on like healings. This is something that it's a contemporary topic. Is it happening? Yes. Is it happening in your life? Maybe. You'd know if it were. Have you settled and said, it's not for me because it's just not happening, it's not tangible, it's not easy? Has you, have, you, have you quarantined the topic because it's a spiritual topic that you can't control or understand fully? Or is it a topic that God keeps bringing up? Prophecy. Is it happening? Yes. Is it happening in your life? I don't know. Is it something you've quarantined because you just don't get it and it's hard to understand? Maybe. Is it easier to focus on natural things like your next paycheck? Yes. Admittedly, yes. Words of knowledge. How are you doing in that category? Quarantined. Is that okay? Sure, it's okay. It really is. Honestly, like I'm not saying that in a negative way. It really is okay. But I challenge you, don't quarantine things for long. Don't, don't put things on shelves that you know you'll never return to. Put things on shelves that you come back and revisit with hope that someday you could do more cool stuff. And maybe those three things I just mentioned aren't like flying around in your head all the time in terms of hopes and dreams, but there's other things that fly around. Some of you are supposed to be artists. Some of you are supposed to be musicians. Some of you are supposed to do things that are really kind of personal and probably planted there by God. They're probably spiritual callings. There's dreams in there. If you shelf those because they're not logical and tangible, guess what happens? You're never going to do it. It's not complicated. It's just really sad. How many of your parents lived really normal lives, had dreams, you found out about them when you were older, and you go, why didn't you ever do anything with those things? You're so, you obviously could have done that. Like you as their child see them and you're like, you could have done that. No matter how dysfunctional they are or how successful they are, their willingness to kind of, with courage, go after these things that were in them, their willingness to do that is all that it took. And so for those of you with parents that did go after those things and were fearless, and they did those things, you go, hey, I can do that too. It wasn't hard for them. It was just, that's my parents. That's what they do. That's, how, that's as simple as it is. So I, I just... Guys, it's a huge topic. It's a really interesting conversation. I just feel like the coolest part of the whole story with God is he really does care about this, the horizontal. He really cares about the horizontal. He wants my life to go really well. He is, he is working on my behalf from every angle at all times. And he's, he's like, he's working on my job. He's getting me promotions. He's working on like my finances. He's helping me with money. He's working on my health. He's like coaching me with my diet. He's working on like, he cares about all this horizontal stuff. Even though it's temporary, he really cares. But this vertical thing is the thing that I keep coming back to. It seems as if when I invest time in the vertical thing, and I, I'm, I'm correlating vertical with spiritual, the spiritual vertical thing, like I'm connecting to something that that isn't necessarily natural and tangible right now. I'm connecting to God, either in prayer, in worship, in life, in any way he says I can do it. That vertical thing, that spiritual conversation, that's the thing that requires your effort and requires your faith. 
you guys know that in the Bible, it says something to the effect of like, without faith, none of this really happens. It doesn't really matter. And it's because it's not, it's not talking about normal life. It's talking about spiritual life. It's your job to add faith and belief that I can progress in these areas. I can actually become something much more significant in these categories that are really small to me right now. This is the interesting thing to me. This is where I think you guys have a lot of potential. This is where I think that you guys are going to be successful in life generally, period. I just, I have that confidence in you as a church. The question for all of us in this room today is how, how much progress are we going to make into the, the spiritual advancement of our family's heritage? This is our family. We want to make this thing much, much, much more deep and broad and high. Like, we want this thing to go further than any example that we know of in our contemporaries. Look around the Bay Area. How many churches are doing radical, amazing things where it's revolutionizing things? And that's not a negative. That's not like a, hey, they're doing less than. It's just a question. It's like, what is God possible? What is possible with God with us, if we all together start to band together and, and push into this other 5% of life, maybe it becomes 7 this year, then maybe it's 10 the next. And I'm just talking about heart priority. I'm not talking about quitting your job, shutting life down, breaking up with your boyfriend. Like, I'm not trying to like wreck what God has already started in motion in the positive and the natural. I'm saying that as you begin to supplement it with more, there's so much that can happen like that. And so I want, I want you guys just in yourselves to say, God, I want you to raise the bar of my own expectations. I want you to help me. And I want you to show me who the people are in my life that I can entrust this conversation with. There's areas where I'm lacking in, in the sense of, of sincere interest and desire. I'm bored with just attending. I'm bored with just the routine I really feel like I've always dreamt of this, whatever this is. And I feel like God wouldn't put you in a place where he didn't equip you with the people that could motivate you further. He wouldn't. He's not interested in you being on an island and suffering like no progress in life. That's not his way. And so I want you to challenge yourself with that. I want you to think about that. Siri doesn't recognize me. I've transformed before her. Hello, Siri. I'm back. I'm back. I don't actually have notes. I'm just stalling. <laughs> I'm kidding. I have notes. They're just not about the sermon. <laughs> um, now we cover it all. Uh, so, last point. Then we can go figure out who's winning the football game. I... I want you guys, I want you to think about one thing. Um, there's so much opportunity in our day to be distracted by the normal natural pulls that are in our world. Um, when I, during worship, I'm like, okay, God, what are we going to talk about? Because normally I prepare in advance for every sermon, and I do. I wait, like I spent, I spent about three weeks. Every day I'll hang out and go, okay, God, you want to talk to me about Berkeley? You know, go, no, it'll be good. I'm like, cool, that's helpful. Thank you. It'll be good. 
You know, it's week number two. And, and when I come here, I don't get notes. When I go other places, it's really straightforward. Like, here, talk about this scripture. You guys are so dialed in up here. I feel like he challenges me to bring something different. He challenges me to really just kind of trust him when I come here. Because I can, I can keep up, believe it or not. I can keep up with you guys, with your brains, <laughs> your big brains. I play myself down, but I can keep up. You're not that intimidating. I can do it. I can do I've read all the Bible books. I know them all. Um, uh, he's not interested in me doing that here. He's interested in me trusting him when I come here. And so, you know, in worship, I'm like, hey, you want to talk about it now? That'd be a good time. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. We, we could talk now about what I'm going to talk about in two minutes. Um, and he goes, Ahab. Ahab. Good Lord. What, is, what do you want me to talk about Ahab? Ahab's not a good topic. <laughs> I know enough about Ahab to know that's not a good topic. Um, and he said, Ahab was a really bad man. I go, yep, we all know that. <laughs> Ahab was a king um, in the book of Kings that was like, he was, he was the most offensive to God of all the kings in like that era. He, he made choices that were so bad that God was like, this is the worst one. <laughs> if you want to figure out which of these kings was the worst, it's that one. Uh, Ahab's the guy that married Jezebel. You guys probably know that name. Um, she's famous, a little more famous than him. But it, it was his wife, you know, him. He made some choices. And um, God's like, check out the story. So I checked out the story during worship. And Ahab is interesting because Ahab was a very political man. He, he did things during his reign that um, David didn't accomplish. He actually brought unity within the Israel and Judah relationship. So politically, he, he made some significant advancements in his day. Um, Jezebel's interesting because she's very religious. She has like a, a there's a, her, her strength, we all associate it with lust, like the Jezebel thing. There's a lot more going on there than lust. It, there's a, it was, her focus was religion and, and bringing a false religion into the conversation. His focus was political, bringing a political power uh, and, and acting under that spirit. So you have two very strong, very strong religious and political conversations going on when you talk about Ahab. There's no parallel here. I'm not saying that's what's going on in this church. Let's clarify that. In case anyone's wondering if that's where I was going, no. Um, that's what goes on in our region. That's, that's our region. That's some of the voices that are very loud in our day and in our era. There's really strong political. There's really strong religious. And neither one of those were in unison with the Spirit of God because the Elijah, you guys know, heard of that prophet? He's the one that is raised up in opposition to those two. And you get the story about Elijah fighting the prophets of Baal on the mountain. And the prophets of Baal were there because Jezebel and Ahab put Baal worship into place. So they got together, religion and political, and started worshiping these idols. And it was really strong to the point where they were persecuting and driving out all the real prophets. So you have this really strong agenda against God's spirit and what God actually wants to accomplish in that day. And so it's an interesting topic. What's interesting is that here in our natural horizontal world, those are the things that reign. 
those are the voices that are really loud. Is that if you can align yourself with the politics of the day, and I'm not saying the parties, I'm just saying like the spirit that says those, those motives and those actions are important. Or if you can align yourself with religion where you say my, my behavior and my, my ability to, to function under structures is, is acceptable under the structures that do exist in my, my, my locale. Um, if, you, if you find that you're good at those two things, you often have places of power in our culture. You have places of power in your workplace, you have places of power just in general. But the interesting thing is always that God's ways are different. And he's never intimidated or interested in, in the ways that are accepted and prevalent at the time, no matter what time you're looking at. And this is from the beginning until now. There's always things going on in the earth. There's always spirits that are moving and aggressive and strong, dominating, pushing, capturing the agenda of the day. Jesus shows up and he challenges the religious and political agendas of the people that were there at his time. And he says there's a different way. Elijah did the same thing. And so here's my challenge to you, and this is how I'm going to incorporate Ahab into our wonderful talk today. Um, become aware of what your motivations are. This is where we started. Become aware of what spirit you function under most of the time. Who's driving you to make the decisions you're making? Who's, who are you partnering with in your thought life and in the way you've shaped your future in your life? And I, I guarantee every single one of us in here have aspects of our life where we can surrender more of ourselves to the spirit of God than we realize we need to. This is, this is a, we, we did the whole gamut. You should get saved today, be born again. And now we're talking about like really deeper, more complicated stuff. It's not complicated. It's just, there's a maturity to recognizing that I have to, I have to align every aspect of my life with the spirit of God. If I'm able to do that, then I'm functioning in power and freedom and joy. If I don't have power, freedom, and joy, if I don't have peace and I'm not, and I'm not, constantly in dialogue with God because we have a love for one another and we just are that connected, that means I'm being compromised by other things. Because when you're free and you're connected, he's always there and you're always back and forth. And you're always at peace. Now you might go to war, but you have peace. There's a difference. And so I just wanted to call your attention to the challenges on a certain level that we face. I want you to be reminded that it's not unique to you. If you're drawn to conform to the ways of the world, if you're drawn to conform to the ways of your coworkers, your family, anyone that you know is really acting or thinking in opposition to the Bible, if you're drawn to it, like sincerely drawn to it, i.e. like you really struggle, the ideas don't make sense to you that are in here, the ideas that these people have make more sense, you're probably under the sway of one of those spirits. We all deal with it. And so I challenge you guys, Get spiritual. Get committed. Get discerning. Think about how you can partner with people who you know are doing it well. Invite them into the conversation that's in your head. When there's things that, that you believe and you say and you know they're contrary to this, simple stuff. It's everywhere. I don't need to give examples, but if you guys, you just know you're on the side of things that Jesus explicitly said you shouldn't be on, you got to get after that. you got to figure out what things are pulling you 
What things are you identifying with that are challenging or compromising who you're supposed to be? You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. I don't know about you. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You guys can do it. I want to pray for you. Close your eyes. Jesus, I thank you for letting us read the whole Bible today together. Covered a lot of ground. I thank you for this awesome family. It started as a family. It's a different shape today, but it's still a family. And uh, families are intended to draw one another to deeper, more meaningful lives. Lives. And so I just pray that you'd begin to challenge these guys. I pray that you'd put images in each of their minds right now of the people that they're supposed to connect with. I want you guys to take a second. Close your eyes. Who do you see? God's going to give you an idea of somebody that you're supposed to uh, invest in in terms of spiritual conversations. And I pray, Father, that you would empower them when they go into these conversations to be bold and be courageous. I pray that they would begin to recognize that there's so much more ahead of them in terms of their spiritual life that will absolutely blow their mind. And they'll start to get excited and they'll feel like they're almost returning to their first love again. The, the joy and the excitement about just discovering things in you would begin to come alive in them. And so for those, God, who are just starting out on this journey, I pray, Father, that they would be bold and courageous too. I pray that they would take the next steps with you and they'd figure that if they did, you'd come and meet them. And, Father, that you would meet them. Bring great courage to this church, God. Bring great courage to its leaders. Continue to empower them to confront and challenge the thought lives of themselves and others. I pray, Father, that there would just be abandonedness together in this church, that there would just be a sense that we together can accomplish anything the Lord puts before us. I bless the missions program, God. I pray that you would begin to excite those that are participating. I pray, Father, that their leaders would be greatly empowered to lead and to bring back stories of incredible testimonies. And that that's not where it would stop, God. It would just be a beginning. That those missions ethics would be transformed, uh, transferred here to the Bay Area as well. And God, we just pray that the the lives that begin to come into this church would be radically transformed. I just thank you that there's new people coming. I thank you, Father, that there's new faces that are going to begin to show up every week. I pray, Father, that there would just be growth and expectation of growth in this church. We pray, God, that you would have your way with what you've set out to do here so, so long ago. And so we're excited to partner with you. Let our 5% become 50 this year. And let us be completely connected to you, Holy Spirit, and give us a deeper appreciation for your influence and ways. In Jesus' name, amen. There you go. Thank you so much, Vince, for sharing that word. It's always a joy.